You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Jets podcast for Wednesday, August 18th, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com, coming to you today from Monterey, California, and our episode is brought to you by the Live Fantasy Show. Have fantasy football questions you need answered before your draft? Don't miss Locked On Fantasy Live on Wednesday, August 18th, tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern, streaming on the Locked On NFL YouTube page. Subscribe now so you don't miss it. Our stable of fantasy experts will answer your questions live or submit them ahead of time to at LockedOnNetwork on Twitter. Today we have our weekly mailbag show. Thanks to everybody who sent in questions. Our first question, should we begin worrying about Elijah Vera Tucker's absence causing chemistry issues on the offensive line when he returns? I think my answer is yes, and I want to say concern. I don't want to say panic. There are degrees of concern, and my concern is probably on the lower end, but I do have some degree of worry about this. I would say that there are some training camp preseason injuries I worry about a lot. There are some training camp preseason injuries I don't worry about much. Like Quinnen Williams came in, and he he suffered an injury during the offseason program, but I was not worried about him missing time. The Jets activated him, activated him off the physically unable to perform list the other day. I'm not worried about Quinnen Williams missing that time, though. He knows how to play football. A year ago, when Denzel Mims missed most of training camp with a hamstring injury, I worried about that because Mims is a guy who needed the practice reps, I thought. I thought that he was a guy whose game needed some degree of development and it would have been beneficial for him to get that work on the practice field. However, I don't think that there's any injury that worries me quite like a rookie offensive lineman missing time, and that's because there are two reasons I like to see rookie offensive linemen in training camp. The first is, again, they need to develop a bit. It's it's an adjustment moving to the NFL. That's a position which is a difficult adjustment on the offensive line typically. But the other thing is, as you mentioned, you want your offensive line to have chemistry. And it becomes more difficult when you get to week one and the the five starters on the offensive line really have not played together that much. That be, that can become a big issue, at least early in the season. Typically for an offensive line, you want guys who have played together for years because you have to think about this. There are so many split-second decisions that need to be made. You know, there may be a stunt, there may be a blitz. You want guys who know each other. You want You want to know if this guy has a stunt, you want to know how the guy next to you is going to play it. And if, you, if you're if you wrong, well, you could end up with a free runner at your quarterback. Now, a lot of this is done pre-snap. You want to make sure you're in the right call, but chemistry really matters. You want to know when you're leaving, when you're going to peel off your combo block. There are just, just a lot of things, a lot of little nuances that are much easier when you know how the guy next to you is going to handle them. And I think that there's some degree of a learning curve that yeah that you have to go through. Now I don't think a training camp is necessarily going to get the Jets all set on their offensive line. There are a couple new pieces, a couple new pieces there, but I think it puts the Jets behind a little bit. So 
I'd say concerned. I don't want to say panic. I don't want to like overstate how concerned I am. But yeah, I I think of the, if I have to choose anybody to miss time, rookie offensive lineman like Elijah Vera Tucker is probably at the bottom of the list for that reason because you know you're there's an old saying that your offensive line is only as strong as its weakest link, and that's very true. And your worst offensive lineman can destroy you. I mean, you can if you're a longtime Jets fan, you may remember you may remember the Adrian Clark season. You may remember the Wayne Hunter season. I mean, there are just these infamous players on the offensive line who the Spencer Long season. There are these infamous players on the on the offensive line whose play is so bad that they pretty much drag the entire offense down. That's not the case here. But there's a second issue on the offensive line. It's not only as strong as your weakest link, it's also as strong as its chemistry. And you're gonna probably enter the season with without much chemistry when you're inserting new players. But I mean, look, the Jets had to insert new players. The the players that they had last year were not good enough so sometimes you have to shake things up just for the sake of improving the offensive line but you will you would love to see those guys have as much chemistry as possible entering the season and you know the Jets are not going to have that and you know you just have to deal with it now yesterday Robert Sala indicated that his starters are only going to play a couple of series in the Green Bay game which opens up the possibility maybe when the Jets play the Eagles the starters will play deep into that game. Maybe that game will, will be the quote-unquote dress rehearsal. So perhaps that's when Vera Tucker gets in. Maybe the Vera Tucker situation is factoring into Salah's thinking. Maybe he's maybe you know maybe he's gonna maybe he was planning to have the starters play the second game, but now he knows he'll have Vera Tucker in the third game. So maybe he wants to do that. Either way, it's very sad to see the backup bowl end. You may remember that game between the Jets and the Eagles that took place every preseason which was just the worst game worst game on the schedule because there's nothing but backup. So it could be a very sad end to the backup bowl. But, you know, I'm wondering whether that factors into Salah's thinking that he's going to treat this like a game where the starters don't play that deep. Maybe that's maybe that's part of the calculus Robert Salah is making. I, I, I don't know. But to, all this to answer your question, I, I am a little concerned. Not extremely concerned, but a little concerned. Next question, what is your current take on the Jets' 2020 draft class going into year two? There seemed to be significantly more optimism around the class at the end of last year than there than there is right now. Beckton and Braden Mann still feel like high-quality starters at worst with even higher possible ceilings. Much of the remainder of the class, however, seems to be significantly more question marks than a year ago, with many of those players on the bubble to even make the roster. Do you contribute the change in coaching-slash-scheme to this, or should we worry about the front office's player evaluation? Well, I think a couple things here. Uh, first of all, I think every single year there's a lot of optimism about the draft class at the end of the players' rookie seasons because typically near the end of the year, especially when you've been bad as the Jets have been, you see rookies get playing time and you'll see them make a couple plays here or there. I mean, I remember when people were excited about Justin Burris. Um, I mean, there's so many Jets players. I mean, I thought I mean, there was even a point where people thought Bryce Petty had upside because of a couple things he did at the end of his first year. Of, uh, I guess that wasn't his rookie year, but... I, People tend to get very excited about players near the end of their first season or when they see, see the field for the first time because they tend to focus more on the things they do well than the things they do poorly. I think it's too early to evaluate this 2020 draft class. I think it's you can have kind of a progress report. You know, you can kind of say they're, they're doing well, they're not doing well, but I think at the at very minimum you have to have three years because we have a full season to play out here. You know, we've had other mailbag questions in recent weeks over the uh, over the course of the summer where people have been asking 
how much does a player's performance in training camp really matter? And the answer is typically not a lot. Now, of course, there are always a few players who play themselves off a roster in training camp. There are some players who kind of set the stage for something bigger in training camp. But I don't think that there's a great correlation between training camp performance and actual quality of play during the regular season. One example last year, as one of our questioners noted last week, Quinton Williams reportedly had a very quiet training camp a year ago, and then he improved over the course of the season. So as much as I think we should avoid reading too much into guys getting playing time at the end of their rookie seasons, I also think we should avoid reading too much into their struggles in training camp. There's a long season ahead of us. There, there will be plenty of time to evaluate them after this year. And I'm sure there's, to some degree, some tension between when there's a new coaching staff coming in because, you know, you don't know what impact Gaze had behind some of these picks. I mean, the only thing about, like, talking about, like, the, the system is Gaze used these guys incorrectly last year anyway, so... You know, I, I don't know whether those guys were better fits in the, the old system. But, yeah, I think there's probably something to the idea that, you know, Gase had something to do with some of these picks. And ultimately, look, if this draft class fails, it is on Joe Douglas, though. Joe Douglas is ultimately the guy who was making the picks. But I think we're too early to say anything like that. And, you know, it's one draft class. So I don't want to declare that this front office is a failure even if this one draft class fails if now if we have years and years of failed draft picks then okay we can we can get there but I would not even if this first draft class of Joe Douglas's does not perform very well I would avoid making sweeping conclusions based on anything to do with that Um, so I think it's still too early in the game to really make any of these judgments these are just kind of things to look out for I think Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKEDON. It's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Mailbag Wednesday. Our next question, Jamal Adams accepted a contract worth $17.5 million per year. Could the Jets have afforded that? The answer is yes. The Jets have the cap flexibility to do that. And one thing I want to make a note of here is that over the next year or so, you're going to see contracts contracts given out to star-level players that look exorbitant. In a couple of years, the new NFL TV contract takes effect, and that is going to come close to doubling the media revenues the league is getting. And you have to remember that the salary cap is based on the revenues the league's taking in. So if you come close to doubling the media revenues and the NFL makes most of its money on the TV deal, the cap's going to go up quite a bit. And you're going to see contracts that maybe looked exorbitant a year or two ago for for high-impact players. So you you look at the Josh Allen contract that was given out a few weeks back. 
that looks outrageous if you're looking at it, at it in 2020, 2021 terms, but yet it's designed for the cap increase down the road. So just something to keep in mind. And another side note, and I want to get back to the question. Another side note is I think this is a good, this is another reason to hope Joe Douglas, Joe Douglas succeeds because if Joe Douglas does not succeed, the next Jets general manager is going to be very Tannenbaum-esque, very McCagnin-esque. I think the Jets are going to hear, hear, get a lot of pressure from their fans to go with somebody who wants to build the team through free agency. And once that cap goes up, you're going to see some of the dumbest contracts in the history of professional sports given out because there are going to be some teams that don't understand how the cap works, don't understand that just because you get all this extra money doesn't mean you have to give out ridiculous contracts to guys who aren't that good. So another reason to hope Joe Douglas remains in the job and hope Joe Douglas succeeds. But you know, I, I think the Jets could have given Jamal Adams that contract. I don't think it's an outrageous contract for what Adams brings to the table. But you don't have to deal with the headaches anymore. The Jets got, I think, very good value in the trade for Adams. I think given where the franchise was, given the dynamics of the relationship with Adams, trading him was the right move. I, I think this ultimately, this Seattle deal could could be a deal that works out well for both teams you know sometimes the deal works out well for one team sometimes it works out well for neither team and sometimes it works out well for both teams i mean i expect adams adams is going to continue to play at a very high level and be worth the money he got hopefully the jets hit on their picks and if it plays out that way i think everything will be win-win next question jets have few to none effective pass catching tight ends and an abundance of effective wide receivers for example, Vincent Smith is more valuable on the roster than Herndon. Do you think the coaching staff will adjust its tight end reliant scheme to what they see in terms of Jets personnel? That is a great question. So ultimately, the, the question is, will we see less tight ends and more receivers on the field? I had to think about that. I think ultimately the answer is probably going to be no, because... This is going to be an offense that runs to set up the pass, I think. And there are not a ton of offenses like that in the NFL, but I think that this will be a very run-dominant offense. I think the Jets want to kind of protect their rookie quarterback. They want to put him in good downs and distances. They want to give him some easy throws to make off-play action. And I think that this scheme that's being put in, it helps when you have an effective run-blocking tight end. You want somebody who can help you. Now, if you don't have anybody who can block effectively, then maybe you look at just loading the field with wide receivers because, and this has been something you've seen in college football where teams have gone, kind of gone to like a, there are certain schools that have instituted a spread power run game. And essentially what you do, if you can't block people up front, you just send another wide receiver out wide. Instead of blocking, you, the, the defense has to send somebody to follow that receiver so you lighten the box that makes it a little bit easier to run because that's just one less guy you have to block. But I think ultimately the Jets are hoping one of these tight ends, whether it is Tyler Croft, whether it's Wesco, whether it's Herndon, turns into an effective blocker. And ultimately, I think that that's kind of the way they want to run this offense. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, and not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. Order today and get raspberry or mint brownie or whatever you'd like. And if you go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, it's promo code LOCKED15. It's one word, L-O-C-K-E-D, number one, number five. For 15% off at BuiltBar, B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R 
gmail.com. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Mailbag Wednesday. Our next question, could tight end Jordan Matthews be an option for the Jets? Joe Douglas did bring him in for a tryout, but he signed with the 49ers. He could be obtained for a possible seventh round pick, so it could be well worth the cost because he can catch the ball. Maybe even try him out as a fullback. I don't think I'd trade for Jordan Matthews. I mean, he was a guy who spent most of last season on the practice squad. He's a guy who's converting to tight end right now. So, you know, there's no really proven track record that he can play effectively at that position. He was a decent player for a stretch. He was a second-round pick back in 2014 by the Eagles. Put together some decent years as a wide receiver. That was a long time ago and a different position. I mean, if he does not make the 49ers roster... And, you know, maybe the Jets bring him in again, but I, I don't think I'd trade anything, even the seventh round pick. I think that that's probably too much for a guy who doesn't really have any track record of that position, even though it clearly is a position of need for the Jets. Next question. Starting safeties usually don't come off the field unless they get hurt. They are right up there with offensive linemen and most likely to see 100% of their units snaps. If Joyner and May stay healthy, do you see a role for Ashton Davis when he gets back, or will he be mostly relegated to the bench? I think he could have a role. I mean, there are games where you might want to put an extra safety on the field. There are certain matchups. You know, it depends on, you know, maybe a team has a good, really good pass-catching running back or something like that. Maybe you want to, maybe you want to have an extra safety on the field instead of a corner or something like that in your, in your dime package. So he could get on the field. I mean, this is a league where teams are putting receivers on the field with more frequency, which means you have more sub packages, more packages, more packages where defensive backs are on the field. So he's going to be a part-time player if everybody remains healthy, but I could see a role for him. may not be a big role, but I, I do think he'll see some playing time at various points. And, you know, you also have to consider special teams. Maybe that's an area where he could help the Jets. Next question, I know we haven't played any games that count yet, but I think the first preseason game reflected very well on the new coaching staff. The players were disciplined, the play calling made sense, and throughout the preseason, some players seemed to be buying in. I know games don't matter yet, but how encouraged are you by what you have seen from the new coaching staff so far? It was a good game. I mean, it was a good performance. I I don't want to read too much into it. I remember a couple of years back, people were praising the Adam Gase coaching staff after their first preseason game. That obviously did not go well. So, I mean, it doesn't mean nothing, but I I am pleased by what I saw. But it's a long. There's a long way to go. Let's see how they perform in preseason game number two. And our last question: What do you think is going on with Denzel Mims? You've written about it. I believe you were referring to trade rumors and how you think they could be plausible. Personally, I'd hate to sell low on a player who seemed so promising last year but he may have a hard time getting back to the top of the depth chart given the amount of talent in the wide receiver room. How do you feel about possibly converting him to a tight end given the thinness of talent at that position? He has the size for it, and he no doubt has better pass-catching skills than any of the tight ends we currently have. If we get lucky, he may turn out to be RJ Novacek. He did a pretty passable impression of Mark Bavaro the other night. I mean, I'd like to see Mims play at wide receiver before. I'd like to see Mims fail at wide receiver completely before I'm ready to talk about a position change with him. I mean, he played pretty well against the Giants. There were some reports he was getting some first-team reps at training camp earlier in this week. So I, I don't think I think it's too early to give up on Mims. I mean, 
I think, you know, if you're going to talk about it being too soon to sell low and trade trade him away to some other team, I think it's also too soon to give up on him because to me, like, when you're changing a guy's position, when you're changing a, guy, a guy's role, that's a sign to me that, like, you don't believe he can play the role he's got right now. And I want to see this play out. And I think it's kind of too late. I think I feel like that's the kind of thing you have to decide at the beginning of training camp to give him the proper reps, to give him the ch- chance to fully acclimate. I think doing it after the first preseason game, you know, it's not really doing him any favors. It's awfully, it's going to be awfully difficult for him to make it that, that type of transition in the time frame necessary. So maybe next year, maybe if he does nothing for the Jets this year, we can talk about it in 2022, but I think it's a little too early, at least as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, that's all for our show today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy the show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.